from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here today on the show, and I appreciate you being here this morning. We're starting a little bit past 9 a.m. It was a very late night here with doing the semifinals. So I uh, appreciate all of you today, the bonus show, for giving us a few minutes here to start the show. And I appreciate it very much with you getting up with us and being a part of the broadcast. So thank you so much for being a part of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Plenty of college basketball talk coming up. Let's get into the morning menu right now. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Here on today's show, Saturday, March 10th, live on location from Brooklyn, New York. Very happy to be here and be hanging out. Here on the broadcast from Brooklyn. Wake Up Call with Dan Satora has been live on location from Brooklyn all week long. We have been with you from Tuesday, March 6th through today, March 10th, down in Brooklyn, New York, doing our show live on location during Championship Week and the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. We've been joined by so many voices, including... Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman of Boston College, Josh Akogi and Todrick Jackson of Georgia Tech, Rex Fluger and Bonzi Colson, as well as Matt Farrell of Notre Dame and TJ Gibbs Jr. of Notre Dame, Marek Dolajai, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, Alan Griffin, Pascal Chuku, Matt Moyer, Barama Sidibe, and Tyus Battle of Syracuse as well as Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton of Louisville, Terrence Mann of FSU, Alric Freeman of NC State, Justin Bibbs of Virginia Tech, DeAndre Hunter, Devin Hall, Mamadi Diakite of Virginia, Mark Donnell and Elijah Thomas of Clemson, Gary Trent Jr. of Duke, Lonnie Walker IV of Miami, Chris Likes of Miami, Joel Berry II of North Carolina. And on today's broadcast, I'm very excited to say, that you will hear my one-on-one conversations from the ACC Tournament semifinal round. You'll hear my one-on-ones with Mamadi Diakite as he comes back onto the show from Virginia, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall, and Kyle Guy, all of the Virginia Cavaliers. We'll also hear from Marvin Bagley the third, Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke, both from Duke, and then Cameron Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson 
from North Carolina. So 10 interviews coming your way this morning from the ACC tournament semifinal round in my coverage here in Brooklyn and my conversations one-on-one with those gentlemen. You'll also hear live from Sonny Spira and Hale Cohen back-to-back this morning. Sonny at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time and Hale Cohen at 10 a.m. Eastern Time as just like we have done the last couple years, we're doing it again this year for the third year in a row, which is to have former Syracuse basketball players on every single broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora during championship week. So there has not been a day without somebody. We had Dale Shackelford and Roosevelt Bowie Jr. on Tuesday, March 6th. We had Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moten, and Ryan Blackwell on Wednesday. We had Daywan Coleman and Craig Forth on Thursday, and Craig's first time on the show was that. We had Terrence Roberts do a special right after the live broadcast. We did an extensive special that's almost 40 minutes long that you can get on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. You can go to wakeupcalldt.com, click on the RSS feed on the homepage, the iTunes podcast on the homepage, as well as the downloadable app powered by Podbean, or you can click on the link on our social media outlets at wakeupcalldt, at calldt, and at wakeupcall underscore dt. Get all kinds of information there. So the Terrence Roberts special happened on Friday, and then today we'll have Sonny Spear and Hal Cohen on the show. So very excited to have all these former Syracuse players with us on the broadcast, as well as all the Syracuse players that have joined us over 15 years of broadcasting with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So a lot on the docket here, plenty to talk about, lots of college basketball going on, and we're going to get started here by taking a look around the league here for a second. But before we go anywhere... I want to take a moment, and I'm really sad to have to take this type of a moment, but I want to take a moment this morning to remember Chris Gedney. It is with a heavy heart that during halftime of, well, going into halftime and halftime of the Virginia Clemson game, I found out the news that Chris Gedney had passed away. Former Syracuse tight end. Gedney played for Syracuse for four seasons, from 1989 through 1992. As a member of the Orange, as a tight end on the team, he accumulated 1,334 yards, 91 receptions, including seven touchdowns. He would move into the NFL to play for the Chicago Bears, and Arizona Cardinals, playing in 73 games in total, attaining 914 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Gedney has served Syracuse University most recently as a senior associate athletics director, working with the Orange Club, giving him the responsibility of solicitation for major gifts, as well as managing the donor prospect pool. He gave his time to the National Down Syndrome Society as a member of their board of directors, along with being on the Imagine Syracuse Executive Board of Directors. Gedney was connected with the New York State Special Olympics, displaying yet another link of service to the community of Central New York and the greater community overall. He is survived by his four children, Analia, Chase, Eliana, and Montana. So, as I was saying, 
it is with a very heavy heart this morning that I share with you that at 47 years old, Chris Gedney has gone to heaven a little bit sooner. And I send my prayers to the family. I send my love to the family. Anything good I have my way, I send over to you. And I appreciate... I appreciate all prayers and and all positive thoughts that go toward the Gedney family right now. God bless each and every single one of you, and God bless Chris. I hope that you are at peace now. I hope that you feel better now. I hope that nothing can hurt you now. And I hope that you found a way to happiness and I just hope that you're okay Chris I didn't know Chris that well I believe I spoke with him about doing an interview or we had done an interview said hello in the press box and whatnot he always did a lot he was always working running around, shaking hands, talking to people. It's strange for me to see this news. It was strange for me to try and sit down and figure out how to even write anything that would make... I I was sitting here saying it's not going to make anybody feel better, you know. So... It wasn't an easy thing to do. It's never an easy thing to do. I don't wish it on anybody to have to sit down and write any story about this or learn about a friend. You know. So, I respect the family. I respect Chris. And I I pray to God that you're at peace. And I pray to God that... I just pray to God that you're okay now. God bless you. Truly. If anybody ever needs help or wants to talk to anybody, I know that I'm your broadcaster, I'm your writer, I'm your source of information for stuff. But if you ever need somebody, To just sit and listen. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll always be there. And if you're a stranger and I could help you in some way, I will. 
Because what are we in this world if we don't help each other? What are we in this world if we only feed our own indulgences? What are we in this world if we don't think of our neighbor and care for our neighbor? I'll tell you. <laughs> we're not much of anything at all. So. If anybody ever needs a prayer or a well wish or a laugh or just a positive moment or somebody to listen, I'm here. You listen to me and I'm willing to listen to you. We got to do good by each other. So rest in peace, Chris. Gone way too soon at the age of 47 years old. Survived by four children. And I pray and I hope to each and every single one of you. Analia. Chase, Eliana, Montana. That you find peace, safety, security, health, happiness, all the gifts of God. And that you all live out a long, beautiful, wonderful life that is fun and goes by slowly. That you milk every single moment for the positivity and the goodness of what it's worth. And that you love your dad. And that you take care of yourselves and you take care of each other. And be good to this world. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the news. And I know I don't know you. But I'm here if you need me. Unfortunately, I have been there before. And a Jay hammering up in heaven... I love you, buddy. I still think about you every day. Still think about you a whole lot. And I pray and I hope that you're happy and I pray that I hope that you're well. With that being said, we'll take a step aside here on the broadcast. We'll come back on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with Sonny Spira, followed by Hal Cohen, two Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, and we will move on from there to my interviews from the ACC Tournament Semifinals with Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall, Kyle Guy, all of Virginia, Marvin Bagley III, as well as Wendell Carter Jr. of Duke, Cameron Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson of North Carolina in just a few moments. Here, where sports meets life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. 
DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady. Com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork chicken thighs and drumsticks and on wednesdays and thursdays all day happy hour you know how to get it done right at muddy waters kitchen and bar on 2 oswego street in baldwinsville new york Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're live on location in Brooklyn, New York, covering the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament as well as Championship Week and college basketball as a whole. Bracketology, according to myself, is on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora right now. You can go on to WakeUpCallDT.com, go to the More tab, and click on Bracketology and read up on where we are at, as well as sign up for the Wake Up Call Bracket Challenge. I want to thank everybody that has had some early sign-ups here. We're almost at 100 people this morning that have signed up early before Selection Sunday, so I appreciate it, and I hope that you sign up today. You can find it 
on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. The link is there, as well as on Twitter at Call DT. And you can find it on the Bracketology page of Wake Up Call dt.com as well you can also search to find a public pool on or, or through yahoo so you can go on to yahoo's tourney pick and go to find a group and we are in the top 10 there you'll see it wake up call with the syracuse logo so make sure you join up this morning with that being said speaking of syracuse every single broadcast of championship week we have had Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum grace the stage of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for the last three years, including this season. And this morning, we have Sonny Spira starting things off. Sonny and I, ironically, were in the same building together in Brooklyn and spent some time talking yesterday. And then Sonny got home at about 3 o'clock in the morning. I went to bed at about 3 o'clock in the morning here in Brooklyn. And now we are bright and early on the broadcast. Sonny, how you doing today? I'm good, Dan. I could use a few more hours of sleep, but you know what? <laughs> I promise you I'd be here. I appreciate that. And, and Sonny, to take a look at, you know, just before we get into Syracuse and whatnot, just what you took away from the ACC semis. I know you said no matter who was going to play, you were going. He's like, You know, you said this is the place to be. You got to see Virginia Clemson and Duke, North Carolina. Let's start with Virginia and Clemson and just what you took away from that game. Well, it's, it's interesting when you see it, you know, you kind of see it live and you're not watching on TV and you're not kind of jaundiced by, you know, certain people's opinions or takes on things. And, you know, you just see it for what you think it is. And, you know, even the replays, they don't show very often. But, you know, it almost seems like Virginia comes out, they kind of let you do what you're going to do, and then they decide how they're going to shut it down. And then they shut it down. I mean, there was a stretch there where North Carolina – I don't think got a decent shot for seven, eight minutes. I mean, it wasn't even a good shot. And, you know, then offensively, I mean, they don't run real complicated stuff. I mean, they run very simple, you know, big to little screens, and guys come off screens. And and they all know their role, and they just share the ball. I mean, Virginia, they're not exciting by any stretch. I mean, they're not going to light the world on fire with, you know, young kids say, oh, I want to play like that, but if you want to play on a team where the team comes way ahead of the player, that's one team to play for. And, and the other thing is, you know, I get the game just over. I'm sitting with my buddies. I'm like, all right, who's the MVP for Virginia? Huh. They're like, you know, it could be so many guys, you know. The, and, and three different guards. They have, you know, the starting five, there's three guards. All of them handle the ball. Guy, not as much as the other two, but the Jerome kid, he had 11, 12 assists. Um and, you know, he went to the basket hard. The Salt kids, he was perfect from the floor, from what I can recall. Um, you know, they're just, they're they're a team, they're an easy team to root for because they just play, they just play the game, like, the right way. They just look for each other. There's a steal. There's three guys, boom, they just lay it out to their teammate. Could have been any of them, but, you know, it just was like, you know, get to the closest guy. I mean, it, it really, you know, if you're coaching a youth basketball team, Watch what Virginia does. Watch how they play. Watch how they share the ball. Watch how guys know their roles. They execute. They're flawless. I mean, they're they're they're, they're just like your coach. You know what I mean? It's your coach's personality. He doesn't have a hair out of place. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's how that's how his teams play. Um, and not taking away from Clemson. I mean, they're good. They've got athletes and players, and I mean, they're big guys. I mean, from my vantage point, I could see a lot of the low post and the paint area on the one end of the floor and those guys beat the hell out of each other 
um, in both games. You know, it's hand-to-hand combat. You know, so it's a different perspective as a guard. You know, I kind of like to stay out of that mess, but man, you can't help it. I mean, they're, you're, they're, you have to win those little tiny little tiny little skirmishes. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, Virginia. I thought that you know that was a great statement that you made when you said who's the MVP of Virginia because it could be so many different people. I mean, you look at Duke and, you know, you argue Grayson Allen, you argue Marvin Bagley the 3rd, you know, if it's a popularity thing and and it's a, you know, who who hasn't been doing the booty bump lately, it's then you got to give it to Marvin Bagley, but you know, when you look at Virginia, you know, Mamadi Diakite stepped in and done things. DeAndre Hunter, you know, hit that big-time shot at the buzzer to take down Louisville in the regular season. You know, Isaiah Wilkins and Devin Holler vets. Kyle Guy does some good stuff. Ty Jerome. So, you know, it kind of is one of those things where you essentially kind of take the crown and break it into pieces and, and hand it to six different guys because that's just the way that this team plays. But you know what? The way that they play and how they do it, they win games, they find success, and like you said, it might not be pretty, it might not be exciting, but I'll never forget when somebody came out with the notion that the San Antonio Spurs were the most boring team in the NBA, and I said, if I go to the playoffs every single year and I stay relevant through three eras from David Robinson to Tim Duncan to Kawhi Leonard, and I win championships... I'll be born every day of my life if it means I'm bringing home the hardware and I'm going to the playoffs every year. Yeah, it's, it's a culture, you know, and it's, it's um, you know, what do, they, what do they have in common, you know? Popovich, strong coach, uh, disciplined players, and the coach coaches the players. The players don't run the coach. And, you know, the same thing, you know, with Tony Bennett, although in a little bit more quiet manner, he's doing the same thing. And you're right, Diakite, I mean, he played great. Yet, you know, he really isn't their starter. Salt is their starter. But, you know, they could play together. They're complementary. You know, it's it's team first. I mean, and that's the way the game should be played. And that's at least that's how I feel. And, uh, as you know, as a coach, I, I that's, that's your goal. Uh, that's what you want to see happen. You want to see the team's success way, way, way bigger than the individual success. Yeah. You know, and, and we look at the other matchup with the North Carolina Tar Heels and the Duke Blue Devils. I call them the forever rivals. They play each other all the time, all throughout history. They have those big game moments. And, you know, we'll split series, take one here, lose one there, depending on, you know, I mean, it, it's just the way that North Carolina and Duke go up against each other, they make it exciting. But at the beginning of this game, you know, it, it was, it was kind of, quiet time at the Apollo, so to speak, and we didn't get to see, you know, a ton opening up, especially from Duke. Then all of a sudden, the game started to widen out, different things started to happen, and, you know, Duke was able to get on top of things for a little while, but then North Carolina took it right back, and in the second half, North Carolina, whatever Duke tried to do, North Carolina had already spotted themselves a few points going into the half, and whatever Duke had in the second half, whatever hopes they had in the second half, were answered almost immediately by North Carolina, who just continued to create separation and continue to push them off. They had an answer for everything. So what can you say about North Carolina, and did they impress you 
I mean, they're, they're an impressive team in general, but did they impress you with what they did to Duke in the second half to really not give up much anything? Well, it was, it was sort of like watching North Carolina play Syracuse. I mean, they just shredded that zone. They, they could do whatever they wanted against the zone. They could go inside, hit the high post, hit the 10 to 12 footer. They could go low post. You know, they can, you know, spot up on wings. They can get kickouts, threes. They just, they just, it was a clinic on how to tear apart his own. I mean, you know, I, you know, sort of, sort of sitting there, I'm like, why don't they come out of that zone? Especially when, when, uh, is it Pinston? Uh, when he picked up his fourth foul, because I think he's a matchup that they can't, they can't handle, um, if they went man. But, you know, and then they did, they, they stretched the floor a little bit towards the end, but, you know, at the end, all Carolina's trying to do is just run clock. And they all of a sudden are not looking to score. I don't know how many shots they took in the last three minutes. I don't remember one. Um, you know, and so Duke gets on that little bit of a run, and then you got momentum going. But, I mean, in the beginning, it looked like uh, Duke wasn't going to score. I think it was nine, eight, nine minutes in the game. Duke had, three or, you know, Duke had maybe three points, five points, or something like that. Yeah. I, I remember at, uh, at the mark, the midway mark, about, about whereabouts, I looked at my buddy. I was like, if you think... If you had Duke and nine points at ten minutes, you won the pool. But who, who that? I mean, you, you're thinking this game's going to be in the nineties, you know, et cetera, because both high flying offenses, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, you know, they just they just get it done, you know. And the other thing to me is, you know, watching Luke May play live is it's pretty special, man. The kid, he doesn't have any great skills, but he's got all the right skills. Every time there's a pass to him, he secures the ball with two hands. He made a couple just simple plays of just catching the basketball Yeah, that were kind of difference makers. And, you know, on the sideline, he catches it. He's got two hands on it. First thing he does is catch it. I mean, he had one bad turnover there towards the end. But um, for the most part, I mean, he's, he's a double-double. He's going to get it every game. And he, he, he's a great passer. So who, who do you want handling the ball in the middle of the zone? Can pick it apart with a 15 footer or a drop down pass or a kick out pass. I mean, he's the guy. And defensively, he was overmatched. I mean, he had all he can handle, either with Bagley or the other big guy. But he did, he did what he had to do. And all those little loose balls, that little rebound that kind of finds its way to an area, he, he comes up with it every single time. Like, or he'll, he'll deflect it or he'll tip it to a teammate. I mean, so many, so many little things. And he's he's not an ESPN highlight guy. I mean, you're not going to see things on there that are all look man. He's a guy I want my I want to be like him. No, but if I want to win, I want a guy like that in my lineup. I want him on the floor. And you know, and the same thing with uh, with the bench. I mean, they come at you. They have so many different players. He he used a couple different combinations. I think like the one guard who played a fair amount with didn't play much against Duke, and I thought he would have being it, being it was his own. Didn't see him play much, but, you know, the other kids just, they just play. And, and the other thing is, I just love the way Carolina handles their business. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a situation that was right in front of me where there was kind of a, a rebound, and um, the, the kid on Duke got tied up with Barry. And, you know, they sort of, you know, then they sort of separate, and the Duke kid, Trent, I think was his name, he, like, comes all up in his face, and, you know, he's like, you know, like, a, kind of a punk move. And, you know, Barry's like, yep, let's go. You know, <laughs> next play. 
Yeah. And it just epitomizes, to me, the way Carolina approaches the game. And unfortunately, what Duke is, you know, sort of their reputation now isn't such a good sport, sportsmanship, play clean. You know, you've got some Grayson Allen, you've got this. And, you know, okay, and they're all one-and-done players now. So, so I mean, like, the culture is not, to me, the culture at Duke is not what it always was. And, you know, maybe that's what they felt they had to give up in order to attract that type of player. And I, I don't think you sell your soul to the devil, not in my opinion. Yeah, and the funny thing is, you know, you sell your soul to the, soul to the devil – and that's the name of your team. So, you know, but but it is, it, it's, Duke has been, and, you know, Duke was named in this FBI probe, and, you know, I, what I found very interesting, Sonny, is that of the 10 highest paid coaches in college basketball for Division One for the men's side, six of the 10 highest paid coaches in the nation are connected to teams who are implicated in the FBI probe. So when you look at it and say, oh, my gosh, the, you know, how are they getting all these players and how's it all working out and why didn't Syracuse get this guy and why did this, this happen with this and this happen with that, I just find it very funny and interesting that more than half of the top ten highest-paid coaches are connected to what's going on with the FBI probe. And, you know, like you said – do you believe in coincidences? Because I don't. I don't believe. No, I believe in God incidences. I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, neither do I. So you know, if it walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, and acts like a duck, it's a duck. And that's you know, obviously, is his has been. And like you said, you have to you you know, you give up some things. And I never saw Coach K as as the guy to be a one and done type of coach. I felt like he was, you know, more of the adamant one against things like that and not being a part of things like that and wanting to build build guys and keep guys for a long time and groom them. And, and then, you know, if they go to the NBA, great, but he was concerned about Duke. And now he, last season and going into – or this season and going into next season, he has, like, the two highest recruiting classes. He's pulling in everybody. He's beating out John Calipari. So – like you said, do you sell the, you sell your soul to the devil, so to speak? So it's it, it's an interesting scenario and an interesting case. But like you said, you know, North Carolina, they got those guys that have been around the block for a while, and they have those guys that you know, like you said, in moments where somebody fronts you, they instead of responding to it and wanting to get heavy and this, that, and the other thing, they're like, okay, we got in your head. Let's move on from here and let's win this game. And, you know, that comes from having the leadership that they have with Theo Pinson and Joel Berry II, who are both seniors on the team. Cam Johnson coming over from Pitt is a graduate transfer. And, you know, that that helps out the guys. And Kenny Williams, a junior. Luke May is a junior. So they help out the Brandon Huffmans and the Garrison Brooks and so on and so forth. Brandon Robinsons of the world that are young to the game and Seventh Woods. And, you know, just kind of bring them up and say, listen, we've been here. We know what it's like. We know what it's like to get to the championship game and have success and hoist a trophy. So you got to be bigger and better than that. And as much as this is a rivalry, we're seeing a clash of, of two different places in their history where Duke is that team that's, 
going and getting all the one and dones and grabbing a bunch of freshmen where North Carolina is systematically building people in the program. Yeah, and I, I love Coach K. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I think his relationship with his players is spectacular and special. Um, you know, I was just watching the thing on Bobby Hurley the other day, and you know, when Bobby Hurley was in the accident in the uh, you know, his rookie in the NBA, and uh, they called his parents to get out there. His parents left, and so did Mike Krzyzewski. Was one of the first people on the scene, and uh, you know, he's done playing for you. He played four years for you, and. But the relationship is not over, and that's that's what Coach K is all about. I think players that only play one year makes it a little bit harder to develop that long-term relationship. So I can understand part of his backing for a Grayson Allen-type um, players and behavior, um, but I can't I can't condone it. You know, I can understand it, but I can't condone it. I mean, you, you, you're going to reap what you sow. So kids not disciplined really. And then, you know, he does that. I, 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 I thought it was glaringly, you know, to me it was glaringly obvious when, when, the, when the thing went down that, that, that he was involved and that he somehow absolutely, you know, made that guy fall down because he had, you know, it's like, you know, it's the kid who misses a jump shot, right? And he goes, chases the rebound and goes, fouls the guy. I mean, it's, it's the classic thing you see in second, third grade basketball, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know it's like, it's, you got to grow up, young man. you got to grow up. And unfortunately, the whole world's watching, and he's under a huge microscope. I mean, when they did the, the little video things during the Clemson game, Clemson-Virginia, there really wasn't all the North Carolina folks and Duke folks there yet. And when they put, they put, you know, they had like a poll, and they had each player, a player from each team. And as soon as Grayson Allen's pitcher came up, and, and they had the video, right? And... As soon as he started talking, you couldn't hear it. People booed him a ridiculous and unfair amount. But, you know, has he has he warranted that? Right. Because that's a tough cross to bear when you're playing. To every place in the country hate you with a passion. And I get it. I mean, J.J. Redick was absolutely not, uh, not revered by other players. They all hated him, too. But... You know, this is a different. This is a different type of uh, disdain. This is this is for even people who don't love basketball. See clips, see things, and just say he's just you know that's a spoiled whatever. They make assumptions about that person based on just some of those highlight actions. So the real basketball people are going to have certain opinions, and then you're going to have the partially interested person have have even I think harder negative feelings towards the kid and you know you you know it's okay to you know to kind of be the bad guy so to speak you know play that that role like LeBron James had to play when he went to Miami you got to play that that bad guy role but you know it didn't fit LeBron really well he couldn't he couldn't stand it and it's uh can't be easy when you're you know 19 20 21 22 year old kid and you got that that added to the to the deck. I mean, Eric Devendorf was one of the top most disliked players in the NCAA, and you know, he's a tough son of a bee, and he played through it. And uh, but you know, I think his to the core. I mean, I think Eric's Eric's a good person. Um, but this this whole situation is a disaster for 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 Duke. I think um, from a PR standpoint, at least in the public side. Now, obviously, not in the recruit side, because the recruit, you know. 
they're getting them. They're getting the top top three recruits next year, right? One, two, three, and I think number ten in the country. So, you know, those those other freshmen, they got to go to the NBA because they got four guys that are going to come in and replace them. So, that's the culture. Yeah, you know, and and you know the Grayson Allen booty bump, like I like to call it, that happened in the game. And you know, I had a, I had a lot of different comments as to what was going on with that and and just what's what he did. I did a, uh, I had a, uh, a gift that I put up at halftime that said first half highlights, and it's just the word bump knocking somebody down, and that's it. And then, you know, I just said, you know, he had another involuntary spasm, and if I had a dime for every time he had an involuntary spasm or a moment where it's an ooh, that's my song type of moment, I, I mean, I would, I would own Apple if I had, if I had a dime for every time that. You know, Grayson Allen had one of those involuntary spasms where his body just kind of seems to be in the right place at the right time to knock somebody over. And unfortunately, Sonny, it's it's what we all like to call a Duke foul because over history, Duke has had some dirty and egregious type of behavior. But the funny thing about a, a Duke foul and how when you say a Duke foul, everybody knows what it means I don't know if <laughs> if anything that I've seen in the past is as bad as Grayson Allen systematically because he's done it for so long and so frequently that and it's so blatant that I don't know. And like you said, I mean, I remember pastime Jim, uh, you know, on on the uh, on the on the north, you know, be uh, right by. Uh, I was on Salina Street, and I played basketball there starting at seven years old. And, I mean, I remember being in that gym, and whenever I see Grayson Allen do the booty bump or put his leg out or whatever that may be, or a little elbow here, this, that, and the other thing, it brings me back to being seven years old and playing in a gym with a bunch of little kids and somebody being angry that it didn't work out well for them in the game. I mean, that that's who Grayson Allen has, has been, and that's – Probably who he's always going to be, and and like you said on the jumbotron, you don't see it on TV at home when they do this little thing like, would you rather hang out with Jay Z or date Rihanna? When Grayson comes up there to vote in a poll that's supposed to be fun, and they go to like all these different players from the ACC, as soon as his face shows up on the jumbotron, he is booed more than maybe Donald Trump at this point. Oh yeah, it's a universal, it's a universal language now. And uh, I mean, you know, obviously for him, to, to, he's, he's got to embrace it, got to own it, you know. Um, or else, you know, it's you know, it's a tremendous amount of literally peer pressure and public pressure to to the negative. And uh, uh, I mean, you know, the good news is, I mean, Shostakovich's, uh, you know, their brand and his uh, his ways are, are they're absolutely going to support the young man, and as they should. Because he, he has to have some some solace or some comfort in his his team, but I also think that uh, he could have been handled much better on his first or second or even third tripping. That yeah. absolutely wasn't coincidental. But you know what you you know once you've done that you've got the you know you got the inmates around the asylum so. I mean that's that's essentially what you've let happen. So you, you, you now reap what you sow. Absolutely. And before I let you go, speaking here with Sonny Spear, a Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, with wake up call live on location from Brooklyn, New York, in the BK. Sonny Syracuse, twenty and thirteen. 
hard-fought 20 wins. They did it with five guys, five and a half, maybe six at times, but five guys. And Pascal Chuku has stepped up at times. Marek Dolajai stepped up. Barama Sidibe has done what he can with his body just not being healthy this year. And with all of that, we have the 40-minute players, O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle. They've won at Miami, at Louisville, Clemson at home, Virginia Tech at home, Buffalo, who's going to the tournament, beat them at home. Georgetown's been up and down, but they beat them on, on the road. They won an ACC tournament game. So we're sitting here this morning, Selection Sunday's tomorrow. Do you find a place for them with Alabama winning, with Providence winning? There's all these upsets going on. Notre Dame lasted a little bit longer in the ACC. Louisville lasted a little bit longer in the ACC tournament and, and also BC. So what's the, what's the call for Syracuse from here? What are you talking about Syracuse guys? Uh, Syracuse <laughs> is in. Uh, you know, but, I mean, you got to look at, I mean, I, you know, I'm so sick of these bracketologists. I mean, I want to throw up every time I see the scroll come across the game. You know, oh, four in, first four in, last down, last four out, first four out. Oh, my God, I want to throw up. Um, you know, to me, it depends on, I, I think it depends on one thing. And they've and I've heard people say that. Do you think this is a team that potentially could win the tournament, right? And you know what I think hurts Syracuse from an outside standpoint is exactly that: guys playing forty minutes, not coming off the floor. You can't. Can that team sustain a run in a highly competitive one and done tournament? And you know, I, I think for a lot of folks, the answer is no. Um, if that's the answer, the one answer you get. But, you know, to me, I'm Syracuse guy, Syracuse. Um, uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, uh, you know, the other the other question that I've heard, you know, they say, well, we want a team. We're going to pick those teams that are on the bubble or on the fringe and look at a team that can win games and be a factor and that, quote-unquote, could be a team to win it all. And... You know, is that is that what you see Syracuse? In? And I think that's the one thing that makes it hard is you, you know you play in this environment and you know you just look at. But you, you know, you watch that game; you can see it on TV. But when you're when you when you're sitting there and you see the size and the physicality daily um, of what goes on in a forty-minute college Division One high-level basketball game, that's some rough play. And you know, can you do that? You do that night in, night out. It's tough. It's it's a tough task to ask any team to do that. And, you know, and it's not. You know, I mean, what are we what are we leading the country in? You know, most solo baskets. You know, most ISO baskets. Least number of assists per per baskets made. I mean, hmm. those are not stats that you know that uh, bode well. I think for for a lot of people, but. You know, what I love about this team, I absolutely love, is because of that and in spite of that, they're just a gritty. And it's almost like adversity and, you know, some of the social media, some of the posts are so negative. But these young men, I mean, you know, Marek Doja, I mean, he, he's, he's kind of a little bit of a Luke May player. You know, he fits in, he gets rebounds, he just makes smart plays, he tips balls, he's there. He weighs 110 pounds, but... He's in the mix. He's a competitor. And, man, you're going to win with guys that are going to compete. And, and it's just been fun 
to see them shut the critics up or silence some of the rumbles and all that stuff. You know, and, 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 and you make do, you make it with what you have. And they've, you know, 20 wins. They got 20 wins. You know, would you, if you saw this team and you, if you were told that five of these guys are going to play the lion's share of the minute and they're going to get one or two other guys that'll mix in a little bit and none of them are guards, they're all bigs. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that means your point guard and your off guard have to handle the ball all the time. Cannot get in foul trouble. That's a tall order. You know, that's a tall order. You watch any other team in the country, there's no way they're asking that from their one and two man. Yeah. No matter what defense they play. You know? Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the thing for me is that, you know, it's really, it's it's tough to watch a team sport be played one-on-five on offense and see one guy dribble the ball for 15 seconds and take the shot. Nobody's doing this, doing that. There's no help when the shot goes up. Guy's already running away from it, and there's no boxing out on offense or defense. So, I mean, those are the hard things to watch. At the same time, I haven't heard this team make one excuse this entire season. I've interviewed them from day zero to the day that they were bumped out of the ACC tournament, and I have not heard Frank Howard, Marek Dolajai, Pascal Chuku, Barama Sidibe, Matthew Moyer, Tyus Battle, so on and so forth. I want to make sure O'Shea Brissett's uh, Howard Washington Jr. I haven't heard any of them, nor have I heard Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, any of those guys say, oh, well, you know, excuse this and excuse that. I mean, there's been no excuses. And if any team's going to get to 20 wins in a Syracuse season, this was the year to not bet on it, so to speak, uh, in a lot of people's minds and a very challenging year. So if you're talking about a hard-fought 20, yes. If you think I think this team's going to win the NCAA tournament, no. Do I think that they'll be gassed because they have to play every other day and really not get that much time off? Absolutely. At the same time, can they pull some rabbits out of their hat this season? Yeah, and I think oh, yeah. that they oh, deserve yeah. some damn yeah. credit for the work that they have done. And the naysayers yeah. are always going to be there, Sonny, but I want to see them be on a team that has five guys and have to play in the ACC and have to play 30-plus games and find a way to 20 wins in a season where it would have made sense if they won nine. I absolutely love these kids. I mean, I, I do. They're, they're just... You know, they're 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 likable, and for all the reasons, all the things you mentioned, just you know, you, I love I love these kids. I mean, I love this team. I love these guys. And, you know, I mean, they, there was only a couple games that we really were out of, but you know, I mean, we had Carolina tie game, seventy four seventy four with the ball, chance to win the game. You know, and Carolina, I think, is head and shoulders better than us, almost almost at every position, but. We were right there, you know. It's not an accident. Not an accident at all. And, uh, you know, how many other games, you know. I mean, no, I mean, I don't want to go through all the games that we had, you know, that we could have won. But the fact is that we were more than competitive every night. And there's no excuses. That's that's absolutely the beauty. And that's a great culture. And that's a, it's a good thing to be a part of. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, a pr- I'm one proud Orangeman sitting here today. Um Period. Whether they go to the NCAA, whether they win another game or what, but they're going to be successful in life because they will compete and they won't make excuses. So they're accountable. What the hell more do you want to ask? You know? Yeah. 
What, what, what do you want in an employee? What do you want in a teammate? What do you want in a in a partner? What do you want in, in, in a marriage? What do you want in you know in in your business? Leading your business. I mean, that's the kind of quality that you want around you. You know, kids playing beyond her. Matt Matt Moyer. I mean, the kid's ankle looked like elephantitis. I mean, and he's still he's still getting out there and getting after it as as much as he can. And Sadibe, I mean. You, you know, he's battling through, and they were talking about redshirting him. You know, he didn't want to redshirt. Can you imagine if he redshirted? Yeah. What well, we were down to, you know. We're going to be pulling people out of the stands to play, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they just, they just keep going. And, you know, God, that is, you know, talk about culture, talk about, you know, qualities. And that's what I want. That's the qualities I want in my in my next generation, you know. I don't want to hear any more about millennials. This millennials that. That's the qualities that I, I want and I'm proud of coming up to take our places. You know, that's what it should be. Absolutely. That coming from Sonny Spira and, and talking about the fact that you know these young men obviously have some responsibility. They have some maturity. They know what it's like to care about one another, one another, and not make excuses. And like you said, you don't want to hear millennial this, millennial that. The millennial generation is is known as the excuse-laden generation, and there's yeah. no excuses coming from this Syracuse team. They said that they were too skinny. They said that they weren't going to be able to do this. They got too many young faces. They have too much this. They have too much that. The irony about Syracuse, and I understand that the athletes are different on the teams and whatever, but the, the irony is that somebody can look at Duke and say, they have a bunch of freshmen, they're going to win a national championship. And they can look at Syracuse and say, well, they have a bunch of freshmen and they're not going to win 10 games. So, you know, it's it's just interesting and you never put the, well, I shouldn't say we all never, but, you know, there are people out there that never look at the heart of things and never look at, you know, what's, you, you might not win a championship, but it's what this team has done it's what the it's what they felt they were capable of doing, and I do. I feel like Syracuse beat themselves a lot more than other teams beat them. Not to take any disrespect, not to take any respect away from NC State or North Carolina in some of those games, but you know the the game in the dome where Syracuse played North Carolina, I was like, you know, <laughs> Syracuse blew that in the last couple minutes of the game. And as good as Virginia is this season, I'm sorry, Syracuse in that game when they scored like 44 points. They they did not play play well well offensively. They did not play together. They did not look for each other. And I said, don't take anything away from Virginia. This was a night where Syracuse just didn't do what they needed to do, and they did not play together. And that is where the team broke apart. You know, I I think this team was capable of having more than the twenty wins that they have. But if I I mean, I'm sitting here fifteen years into being a broadcaster and a writer racking my brain, Sonny, this morning, trying to think of, do I know another Syracuse team that got a hard-fought 20 like this with what they had, with no bench? And I don't know if in the last 15 years I can sit here and tell you that I sat down live and watched a team get to 20 wins like this team did. I don't know if there's any harder, any more of a harder road in Syracuse's history to do so, and I, I feel like that needs to be remembered just like John Gillen and Andrew White III need to be remembered. The day that they lost in the NIT, there were people that were like, good riddance, we hate you, and I'm like, if you didn't have Andrew White and John Gillen, you would have won nine games last year. You owe them a lot. 
They got you to 19. You would have gotten a 9, maybe if you're lucky. There's games where John Gillen scoring 40 points in a game. Andrew White was one of the most consistent scorers on the team. It's just funny how how fast people can forget, or maybe they just took an opinion and they are not willing to say that opinion was wrong, so they just continue down that road as crazy as the opinion might sound at that point. Yeah, I mean, I can't stand people saying, well, this kid should have stayed another year. Why did this guy go? You know, he's making them, I mean, every year. I mean, just support the kid in his decisions. I mean, please, you don't know. You don't walk a mile in his shoes. Shut up, please. I have no time or tolerance for that garbage on on, on any platform, social media, the newspaper, any of those things. And um, I gotta get a little more like Bayheim, I think, when it comes to that. Just a little more like, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't stand that. Um, you know, and, and you know, even you know, on Facebook and social media, I've got a bunch of people that I'm that I'm friendly with that are, you know, fans and. And I was in, I was part of a couple of groups, but I got the hell out of them. I couldn't I couldn't stand it anymore. I just couldn't stand it. Looking at that stuff and reading those things, and you know, the other thing is, you, for, you know, the one thing lost in this whole in this whole um, basketball blitz is these are students. They go to class. They got to get their ass to class. They just missed the better part of a week. And, you know, now I know spring breaks next week, right? So the NCAA travel or the NIT, whatever, whatever they, whatever they turn out to be in, isn't as impactful as it would be, you know, to to some somebody else. But they missed a bunch of classes because of their games and because of the commitment of playing in a tournament. And I'm sure the luncheon and the practices and all the media days and all the things that are required of student athletes, because we, you know, we, you know, when the NCAA makes 1.1 billion dollars we just assume well, these, these are just and they are they're unpaid labor i mean uh, we, we i don't even go into this right now but they're students and they have obligation to get to class and to, to they have to maintain a certain gpa so they can play but forget that what about in life they want to get that diploma they want to get that degree they want to move on they want to use this to the next step of their life whether it's not playing basketball professionally it's moving on to something else that degree that's what they want. That's what, quote unquote, that's their compensation. Well, let's give them a chance. You know, let's give them a chance. Let's make sure they have the tools and the ability to be successful in the classroom. You know, because God knows we bleed them for every cent we can get from from a business standpoint. So, I mean, these kids have all that on their plate. Um, they have obviously they have families and family obligations too, just like anybody else. But you know, they got to walk, they got to get to class, you know. They got to be careful. They can't slip on ice. They slip, they're hurt, right? Little things like that. And you betcha, if they're all dinged and banged up, that they still got to go out and walk in through, you know, right now, Syracuse, three feet of snow almost. I mean, they got to get to, they got to do what they got to do to get to class, to get that, to, to get that diploma. And I don't know. I mean, to me, that stuff still matters. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're forgetting that. You know, we're forgetting that when we're saying, oh, this kid, that, this kid. Come on. These are young men who are putting it on the line every day for the university, for themselves, for the, each other. And they're still students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the crazy thing of it all is, 
people forget that they're still students. And as I tell people all the time, they go crazy angry and, and, and go just, just word diarrhea about Syracuse or anything for that matter when they're doing this. I always like to remind people that these are teenagers. They're 17, they're 18, they're 19. At best, 20 and 21, you are screaming and yelling and demanding and booing children who spend half of their time in college, if they stay all four years, as teenagers. And on top of all of that, not only not only are they teenagers trying to juggle two full-time jobs, being a student and being an athlete, but on top of all of that, these kids are playing a game in front of 30,000 people, and there's 10 of them on the court. So if we look at the brass tacks of it all and say that, you know, there's there's 10 people on the court and there's 30,000 watching, that's .0003% of the people in the room are actually playing the game. And like I tell people all the time, if you think you can broadcast, here's the mic. Don't say um for five minutes. If you do, I'll slap you in the back of the head. If you are... Good, good enough and better than Tyus Battle, by all means, come out of Section 115, walk down to the court, and if you don't pass out in the first 15 minutes of the game, I'll buy you a cookie. But it's just amazing to me how people can judge from a, from a nice seat, a nice cushy seat somewhere in their house or in a stadium, but how they don't look at the fact that you're booing children you're booing somebody inside of your own home stadium. And on top of all of that, at the end of the day, you are a point zero 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 zero. I mean, that's a they're a point zero 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 three percenter that's on the court, and you're just watching the game. And they're trying to win. I can guarantee you that Syracuse and everybody, like Virginia said, we didn't come into this season hoping to lose every single game. So, I mean, it's the same for all teams. There's 351 Division One men's basketball schools. And I can promise you, Sonny, that nobody's trying to lose games when it comes to stepping out on the court. Nobody's tanking. This isn't the NBA, that's for sure. That coming from Sonny Spira. So, as always, Sonny, appreciate you being on the show. Good to see you. And please go get some rest, and hopefully I will do the same in a little while. <laughs> well, you get a little nap and then have fun tonight. It should be a, it should be a heck of a final because that's two extremely talented teams, two well-coached teams. And, uh It'll be fun to watch. It's going to be interesting to see. You're going to have strength against strength, you know. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a feel-good type of thing because North Carolina brings a lot and Virginia brings a lot to the table. It, for, for me, it's just it, – it's 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 all fun and games tonight, so to speak. There's, there's a certain air of positivity around this, and I'm going to have some fun for sure. Well, enjoy. All right, I'll talk, I'll talk with you soon, Sonny. Take care, Neil. All right, take care. Bye-bye. That coming from Sonny Spiro once again. Sonny, a part of the broadcast, and appreciate Sonny coming on to the show. We're going to take a quick, fast break and come back with fellow Syracuse Orange alum Hal Cohen in just a moment here on Wake Up Call, live from the BK, Brooklyn, New York. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. 
Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCity-CNY.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you, broadcasting live from the BK. We are down in Brooklyn. We've been in Brooklyn all the way through this championship week in the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. We have covered every single game. You can see a story written on every single matchup by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the Right Now page. And you can also listen back to the interviews by going to the ACC Central tab. And right under that tab is ACC Basketball. There's also a quick link at the bottom of wakeupcalldt.com's homepage. And you can get all of the interviews one-on-one with all the players that we have had on the show. Still got 10 more coming up today. You will hear from Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall, and Kyle Guy of Virginia. You'll also hear my one-on-one conversations with Marvin Bagley III, Wendell Carter of Duke, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson of North Carolina before we round out today's show. But on the broadcast right now live is Hal Cohen. Hal Cohen is somebody that I appreciate having here on the broadcast. I found out something kind of interesting in how small the world is, so I'm going to have to ask Hal about that in just a second. But before we go there, let's bring in the former Syracuse basketball player to the show. Hal, how are you doing today? Wow, you, very good. Sounds like you're busy. <laughs> little, a, a little bit, Hal. I think, I think that, that the interviews for the ACC, for me at this point, are just shy of 50 with the players, and then that's not including all of the – yeah, we're at 47, I think. So, yeah, a little bit – I, I like to push myself, and push myself I did. But, you know, I like to bring something something different 
to the airwaves and and I don't know you know another place that's covering all 15 schools and letting you get a feel for everybody so we try we dare to be different here and and needless to say I don't sleep a lot but it's all worth it yeah well it sounds like you get a lot of energy and uh, sounds like you're having fun and uh, as they say that's uh, that's what it's all about absolutely now I have to ask you this question you have a sister that works for an yes. airline in Syracuse, yes. New York, and yes, my I do. so my mom sends me a text message because my mother works for the same airline, and uh, yeah, so my mom sends me a message and and she was like, "Do you know Hal Cohen?" And I texted her back. I go, "Yeah, he's going to be on the show this this week. He's going to be on on Saturday." And she's like. That's a very small world, and then she told me, and I've met your sister, but I I didn't know her last name or, or any any connection there. So it's kind of kind of funny how small the world is, Hale. That we both have relatives that are working together, flying the friendly skies, and and then here we are together this morning. That's funny. That's uh, definitely a small world. I thought you were going to call me and ask if you want to get upgraded or something. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I I my mom always gets upset because. You know, I'll be flying and, and then I'll be, you know, I'll be bumped up to first class and she's always in, she'll send me a thing and say I'm in 33D and then I'm in 1A and so mom always seems to, to get upset about that. But I told her, I was like, if you're good to Jesus, he'll take care of you. That's what, that's what, <laughs> what I tell her. So oh, I gotta tell, yeah, I'll tell myself, I'll have to tell my sister we talked. Yeah, absolutely. Let your, uh, let your sister know that we had a conversation. She's very sweet. So, you know, it's it's just funny to to make connections like that. Yeah, but out of all names, my mom's like, do you know Hal Cohen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, and it was a year ago, almost to the date, Hal, that you came on the show for the first time when we did the yep. uh, ACC tournament conversation last year. So pretty crazy to say that we, uh, quote, unquote, met a year ago. But I, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming back on the show. Well, I think that's what my contract said, right? One, one, one interview per year for a million dollars each, each interview, right? I think it was maybe a Chick Fil A sandwich. Maybe we could do that. I, I if they're worth a million dollars, they certainly feel like a million bucks. But I, some somewhere around you can't, that region, you can't get in. Sunny Spares, Sunny Spares on the on the show all the time. You know, you can't get in with him. You know, being on the show all the time. Yeah, Sonny is. He texted me. He goes, "I hope I said." He's like, "I hope I, I hope I'm bringing something to the thing." I was like, "Sonny, at this point, you're like, you're like, a, you know, a relative of the, sh- you know, you're a part of the show. You know, I'm gonna, I'm keeping him, you know, kind of where I need to keep him. You know, he's 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 on the show enough, but not too much, so see, so he can have intern status, but he doesn't get on the payroll. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, he followed when I graduated. He, I think he came in the next year or the year after. I forget, but he was soon after. You know, we so we kind of overlapped till just uh, or just missed each other there for a year. But I got to follow him when he was playing, so it was fun. And and uh, following up here on the show and following him this morning on the show, Hal. I mean, you've seen Syracuse and you've seen what they've done. We spoke off the air about it for a couple minutes. This team has gotten to 20 wins, and I will say of all the 15 years as a professional broadcaster and writer, I, as I said to Sonny a couple minutes ago, racked my brain, and I can't, for the life of me, find a team, speaking of Syracuse history in the last 15 years, that has gotten 20 as hard-fought as these 20 with as little as they had with basically five guys most of the time three guys definitely not a bench 
And, you know, and that's no disrespect to anybody. Howard Washington wasn't put out there that much. Matthew Moyer wasn't trusted that much, and then he got hurt. And Barama Sidibe hasn't been healthy all season. So it's it's no true knock on any of those guys who are fantastic people and always good to me. I, I just – I look at this team and I say 20 wins with five players – and the rest of the ACC, some of them are short bench, six, seven, eight guys. But there's, I mean, there's Roy Williams who has a starting five for his starting five. And yeah. it's, you know, you look at Duke and it's talent upon talent upon talent, layers upon layers. And in Virginia, I mean, uh, Sonny had said, who do you give the MVP to? And I got five of the guys coming on the show today, Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall, and Kyle Guy. You add Ty Jerome in there. I could give the MVP to any any one of those. So, you know, yeah. Syracuse, to get to 20 this year, might be one of the most magical, unsung hero seasons that I've seen at Syracuse ever. Yeah, you know, I, um, you know as most of us, we go to work, and um, we hear everybody complain <laughs> about about the team if they don't win and you know and if they do win they're all excited again but uh no I, somebody asked me that the other day you know and they said boy that was a you know not a great year and i don't think you know coach Beheim did a great job and and i was thinking just the opposite i'm thinking wow i mean with what they had um everybody leaving and obviously uh, it was a torian thompson left right before the season started or whatever and uh, and with this group I thought he did. A, I thought he did a great job. I thought the team did a great job for what they for what they had, you know. And uh, um, and so I thought they battled all year long, and uh, I thought they played hard. And and uh, to get twenty wins, I, I think that was incredible. Absolutely. I think this might have been his, one of Coach Brad's one of his better years coaching it. With that with that crew to come up with uh, those wins, that's that's hard to that's hard to believe. Yeah, so, for them to do what they did and. And how they did it, it's just, it's just pretty amazing to, to just see it. And like you said, it might be one of Jim Beheim's best coaching years. And it's funny because you know that notion was brought up this week of put another coach in the seat, tell him he's going to have five guys and he's going to have to rely on three of them for forty minutes a game. One of them yeah. a true freshman, and another yeah. guy who has never been asked to be strong offensively. And Frank Howard, I mean, this. And they said, you know, what other coach would find success? So let's go to that. Yeah. I mean, just just Jim Beheim. He's 42 years in Hal, but yeah. yet he still has relevancy on a team that maybe was going to win 9, 10, 11 games, and, and he pushed this team to 20. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, two thoughts. One is um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the his 2-3 zone. You know, everybody kind of always was, you know, poo-pooing it, you know. As a kind of a you know not a not a, a real defense, you know what I mean. But now Duke's doing it, <laughs> and now you're going to see everybody from now that Duke's doing it. It's it's okay, you know. It's like it's the thing to do now. Now everybody's going to be playing that zone, um, and uh, so that was interesting to see that he is he'll you know I bet you within the next year or two you'll see you know, a lot of teams doing the same thing, and um, so he's still. Um, has a lot of respect in this area, and obviously, if Shashevsky is going to listen to Coach Beheimer, probably he's calling him and asking him how he how he runs that. But uh, um, what was the other question? I tell you, to win eight, to win t- the many games, that was the question. Yeah, well, just to just to get to twenty. I mean, there was a notion brought up by 
by um, you know in the conversation this week on Wake Up Call that put another coach in his seat. Oh. How many of them would really have? How many would yeah. get to twenty like he did with the team this yeah. year? Well, that's the other thing. I think things change now. You can't as a coach. You know, usually in the old days you would you know you had everybody for four years and then you plan accordingly. You know, okay, this guy's going to be coming in. He's not going to be ready. We'll give him a year or two to get ready. And then, you know, when those seniors graduate, then that person moves up, you know, and every year that person, you know, the players get better, and then you kind of coach that way. Now it's all different. Now you never know who you're going to have the next year. And this year, you know, same thing. You didn't, I mean, you had somebody got hurt with, uh, Sidibe got hurt, and um, obviously Thompson left, and then you had, you know, other guys get hurt, and and they're out, or they, or Leiden went to the NBA, and, so everything changes, and you've got to – you can't plan for the four-year run. You know, you can't – like, okay, I'm only going to recruit these three players. you got to look at it as almost as if um, somebody's not going to be there. You have to plan like there's – you know, the, all, anybody could leave at any time. So, um, you know, putting somebody else in there, I, I don't know if they could have done any better. <laughs> I don't think they would have done any better. And um, – to get the most out of the players, you know, he has to do what he has to do, and he had to play those players, through, you know, 40 minutes a game, which, uh, you know, uh, takes its toll, you know, especially over a long season. Fortunately, none of the big three, uh, as I recall, didn't get hurt. Uh, but if any one of those went, if any of those three had gone down, then you know, really would have been in trouble. But um, no, I thought I thought he did a great job. I don't I have no complaints. I don't. I thought, uh, you know, they battled. That's what, every game they played hard. Yeah, I thought the two uh, Dolajai and uh, and the big guy they really improved, and and I think they'll be ready to go next year, you know, to help them out. Whereas uh, whereas if you know if you had a couple other players, those guys wouldn't have developed. So yeah, I just I, thought it was I thought it was I thought it was a very good year for what they had. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and and we look at you know this team moving forward and i got to ask you hal i know that you're a syracuse orange alum but i'm going to ask you to be impartial on this thing would you can you find a place for them in the tournament i mean there's there's been some bracket busters alabama found a way to win and they were on the bubble providence found a way to win and they were on the bubble and so there there are teams out there that are looking to take those spaces, Notre Dame lasted longer than Syracuse in the ACC tournament. So did Louisville. So did BC. But they all got bumped out after. So uh, you know they were all one step farther than Syracuse, but then no steps after that. Do you find a place for this Syracuse team in in the tournament this year? Do you give them a spot, or is it more of an NIT year? How do you kind of look at this? Because I can argue them in, and at the same time around the country, I can't argue against the fact that Providence deserves to be in and, and that Alabama deserves to be in, albeit even if it was a play-in game, they still have earned their stripes as well. So just what you think about the postseason. Well, number one, I would love to see him get in because that's, uh, as I've said before, this uh, family thing for us and most families in the Syracuse area, you know, looking forward to coming home and watching the games and, and, uh, and having that uh, family bonding, watching your team play. And so, obviously, we'd like to see them play. Um, and, you know, always, the, you know, the teams that don't make it doesn't mean that they uh, are not as good as those teams. I'm sure Syracuse is as good as, you know, half the teams that are in there, you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, if, oh, if you had to play one each other over the year, you would probably beat half the teams that are in the NCAA tournament. Half the, you know, it wouldn't be. But so there's you. So, 
basketball wise they're as good as you know as as a large portion of the field that's in but obviously you gotta you know obviously you get those automatic buy bids and, and it makes it difficult so if they're on the bubble and then i've just i haven't really followed a lot in terms of who else is out there but just listening to another show somebody yesterday or something it sounds like there's a lot of upsets and and therefore you know teams that weren't supposed to get in are, are you know some uh, leagues they would only have one team in now they've got two teams in because of the main team lost so having said that i i don't know i mean i i um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to go down you know to last night you know if, if more of these upsets uh, occur then i think it'll probably be difficult to get in and um you know i don't know how the nca you know if they look at teams with blinders you know what i mean in mm-hmm. terms of uh if uh you know okay Syracuse got in last year so we're not going to put them in this year you know they didn't get in last the other year so we'll put them in the, you know i don't know how that works i'm sure they're supposed to be impartial but um but i think it'll be close i hope they get in but if, if there's more upsets then i think it'll be difficult <laughs> yeah no and, and i agree i i think you know i feel the same way about it if syracuse is in a place where you know these upsets weren't happening and whatnot unfortunately as good as Syracuse has worked to play and what they've worked to do it it all comes down to the fact that this is a team that that is leaving you know themselves they're leaving their their postseason placement in the hands of the committee and when you leave when you leave yourself in the hands of the committee Sometimes you don't like what you see and you don't like what you hear and you don't like what ends up happening. So, you know, it's yeah. it's just one of those things that this is where they're at and you have to sit and wait. Unfortunately, sitting and waiting, there's other teams that are still playing. And when those teams are still playing and still winning, that makes things difficult yeah. on you, uh, you know, it, it, but for sure. So, you know, Syracuse, it's, it's going to be an interesting run from here and placement from here, but... You know, ultimately, I think that we can agree, Hal, that, you know, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, that, that this is a team that has done things that people didn't think they could do, insurmountable odds, and somehow found a way to navigate through them and have success. And I think if this team gets anything, it should be respect at the end of a season like this. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, uh, um, you're looking at, you know, three players that, like you said before, that played all these all this time, and you know, and they took it upon themselves. They had to do what I don't know what percentage of scoring. It's got to be what 80, 70, 80 percent of the scoring, and with three guys and two other guys who were good role players who were not, you know, you know, if they get the ball, the other team lets be happy to let them shoot, you know. And so they're, you know, if you just have to focus on three players, that's very difficult. And a lot of this, you know, what they do is, you know, off of screen and roll. So you have to be able to create your own shots, which is often, you know, difficult and tiring. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, a lot of respect for these guys who, you know, battled all year. And, and you know, this is the ACC, one of, you know, one of the best, if not the best conference in the country. And you're going up against, uh, you know, bigger, stronger, taller teams, you know, more maybe more athletic teams. But they hung right in there. So, um no, again, I, I I I enjoyed watching them this year, and um, and I give them a lot of credit for hanging in there. That coming from Hal Cohen, Hal uh, to look at the rest of the things that have been going on with the 
you know, with with the ACC tournament and whatnot. We're going to see Virginia take on North Carolina. What can you say about these teams, you know, to, to take a look at what they've done and, and what they've been? I mean, North Carolina is a team that was able to stave off any type of room, any type of run that Duke was trying to make later on in the game. They got after it early, and they did what they needed to do. They took care of business. You know, Cam Johnson coming over from Pittsburgh, good move for him. He'll talk about it in just a little bit, hindsight 2020. You know, Theo Pinson and Joel Berry have come up in the program. And then on the other side of it, we have Virginia with Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins and guys like that coming up. So these are two programs that are not one-and-done type of programs. These are guys who come in and with Tony Bennett of Virginia and Roy Williams of North Carolina, they get educated, they stay, they get an education in the classroom, they get an education on the court and and, in the practice facility. And we're going to see two teams go up in the championship game with Virginia and North Carolina that have this old style, so to speak, of the sense of guys stick around and guys wait their turn and guys go through the process. What do you think about that, that we're seeing two teams that are not the one-and-donners and essentially are the ones who had to wait their turn? And guys like Joel Berry of North Carolina and Devin Hall of Virginia, you know, they had to sit and wait and be a role player and play two minutes a game or have two points and not take a lot of shots because they weren't the guy that the ball was going to, and now they're the leaders on the team. So these teams look very similar on paper in the sense of guys stick around and they build the program and, and they wait their turn, and here they are today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess that's old old school stuff uh, in terms of uh, four-year players, and, and you can tell there's a big difference, you know, just like in the old days when you have – a lot of freshmen on the team, you know, versus a team that's got a lot of seniors. There's a big difference between someone that's a freshman and someone that's a senior. Not only, um, you know, uh, strength and, you know, you get stronger over four years, but knowing the game and how, how to play the game and uh, having gone through adversity before and getting better. And um, So, I, you know, I guess this is, you know, good for other schools to see that, that you can still win <laughs> with uh, – Players that are not heading off to the NBA, maybe it's maybe it's somewhat e- easier to coach when you obviously you know you have consistency like that. But uh, one thing I thought was interesting was um, North Carolina, and you know when you used to play teams against Syracuse, I can remember a couple examples like in the past NCAA tournament where a team like I think it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State a few years ago played against us, and they were really good and. When they played against our zone, they looked like they were the, they looked terrible. They looked like they couldn't play, and then they were a very good team, but they didn't know how to play against the zone. It looks like North Carolina was probably one of the best teams I've ever seen play against our zone. They looked so comfortable in it, and now they've got two teams in the end, now two teams in the league that play the same defense, the same zone defense, and uh, and they were able to pick that apart you know, against Duke, and, and they were also picking apart against us. And uh, the more you play teams that have similar styles, the easier it'll be, you know, so that may be not good, got to be good for us <laughs> in the future because everybody else is going to be playing against Duke twice and us twice and and uh, and learning more. But, you know, before they would just prepare for us once. Now you got now you got uh, us tw- maybe twice and Duke twice, so you get to prepare better. So the teams in the ACC will maybe be able to handle our zone a little bit better in the future. But, uh no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game, and it's just like you said, two great programs, two great coaches, and uh, 
and um, I, 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 I guess I would I, I'm, uh, would go with North Carolina beating uh, Virginia. That coming from Hal Cohen, and, and Hal, before I let you go, just to you know, give your thoughts in, in general as we move forward here of of college basketball. We've seen a lot of things happen. We've seen, you know, obviously the FBI probe. More than 20 schools have been brought up in it. Uh, I, I, I find, and I brought this up a few times on the show in the last couple of weeks, find it very interesting, and I don't believe in coincidences in life, that six out of the ten highest-paid coaches in Division One men's college basketball are connected to teams that were implicated in this FBI probe. So more than half of the highest-paid coaches are connected to this. So when everybody asks the question, how do they get all the good players? Well, it might not be in the greatest of ways. Just what you could say about what's going on in the NCAA and and the fact that more than half of the highest-paid coaches are implicated by school in this FBI investigation right now. Yeah, well, uh, well number one, I'm glad I'm not a coach. Uh, number two... Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's extremely difficult, you know, to not, you know, do something because the difference between what one player can do for a program is, is just amazing. You know, if, if you get that one player to, you know, to your school, that could turn everything around and, you know, turn your program around, make you look good, and now, you know, they get you to the top 10 or 20 or whatever, and and now you're going, you know, now you're on the circuit uh, lecturing and talking and, and you know, everybody thinks you're the greatest coach. And it's just a lot of, you know, to, to not do something, it, it, I would think it would be very tempting, you know, or very, very difficult situation. So I think it's always going to be a, a fine line. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just glad I'm not in, in, in it myself personally. But uh um, I just know how it is when you have a good player and, you, and it's between you and another team, you know, to go to get that player. It's it got to be extremely difficult, you know, to in that situation not to, you know, stay within the rules when you're seeing other teams kind of bend the rules or whatever you say, you know, close to, you know, you know, not illegal, but, uh, you know, very it's a very tight uh, fine line you have to walk to not uh, go over the line to get that player, I, I would imagine. So, I, I mean, I can see why it happens and how it happens, and I'm sure a lot of the head coaches maybe don't know anything about it, and um, maybe they don't want to know anything about it. You know, maybe they feel, you know, personally that that's the best way they can do it is if they don't know about it and somebody did it in their program, at least consciously they could say, well, you know, I, I, I wasn't aware of that or whatever, but... I just think it's extremely difficult, and and um, so I'm just glad I'm not a coach. Yeah, coming from Hal Cohen, and and I don't I don't think people would deny that, you know, and say, you know, not being yeah. a not having to deal with that stuff right now. And you know, Hal, finally here, Kevin Ali uh, this morning during the show uh, has been let go from the UConn Huskies. Wow. He he's obviously had a lot of success with them. And on the and then you know so a, a former Big East co or former Big East team losing their coach, and then another former Big East team losing their coach that happened this week was Kevin Stallings. After just two seasons in Pittsburgh, he had a record of twenty four wins and forty one losses. 
He was 0-19 in ACC play this season, and Pittsburgh fell off the – I mean, Pittsburgh's usually 9-9, somewhere around there. So, you know, no, you know, Pittsburgh is looking for a new head coach. UConn's looking for a new head coach. So two Syracuse rivals looking for somebody to lead their programs. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, we know that Jamie Dixon was, was in Pitt forever. We know Jim Calhoun was at UConn for a very, very long time. And now both of these storied programs and, and undoubted rivals of Syracuse are looking for new life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, I mean, that's what we're talking about. I think that's what we just say, what we're just saying is yeah. that's how much pressure is on these coaches uh, to to win, and that's that's again goes back to what I was just saying is can you imagine you, you know you, normally you would say somebody would get at least I mean you got your own team you hired you hired you got three or four years to you know to to get your own team so and so and um, and then be out after two years and man it's uh, you know I mean, I'm sure the you know the alumni and and, and you know money situation is, is huge for these programs and if they're not winning or the alum is upset so again it goes down to okay now you come down to a player and if this one player you get this one player they could turn your program around and uh, and you don't get them because the other team's you know doing something illegal or something that, that makes it extremely difficult so yeah that, that coaching profession is, is tough I'm sure when you're winning and doing well I'm sure I'm sure it's fun and um but if you're not winning, or um, I, Kevin Ollie, didn't they win the national championship was his first year he took over or something? He took over at Calhoun's team, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he took over and they, uh, and they won a national championship, yeah. I mean, that seems like it was only a couple years ago. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer, but uh, the, the pressure on these coaches to, to win and to be successful, even if you're, you know, fair, you, can't, you're, you, you could be gone. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm sure, I'm, I'm hopeful that those guys, um, you know, they have so much knowledge and experience that they'll find other jobs. And I think that's what happens. It's kind of a revolving door, kind of, you know, so you coach for four or five years and then something's not go well, then you, you know, go over here and be the assistant here, and then you become a head coach there. So um, it's just a very uh, pressure-packed job. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very, uh, it's crazy. I got one more thing. Then, oh, to think of Coach Beheim to be at one place for 42 years or 40, whatever it is now, um, that's that's just an amazing feat just to be at one place to stay stay that long. I mean, I don't even know what the – I mean, you can look that up, what the average coaching lifespan for, you know, for a head coaching job at one place is probably pretty, you know, not very long. If you don't win, yeah, you're out. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a lot of coaches that are, you know, kind of <clears throat> locking in their spot as opposed to uh, Coach K and, and Jim Beheim. Not a lot of coaches around the country that are, you know, firmly seated. Mark Few's been in Gonzaga for a while, and there's certain guys that have, you know, been in places for a long period of time. Bill Self's been a part of Kansas for a while. Roy Williams with North Carolina, but 42 years and over a thousand wins in one place and one place only. No other coach in the history of anything has done that in basketball. That is JB. So, you know, to 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 look at that, and it is over a thousand folks. Let's just call it what it is because it is. And uh, I think it's crazy that you know we have to say, well, it's nine hundred and da 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 to the NCAA, and it's a thousand da in re. It's I mean, you can't erase games from history. You can't say that I wasn't there covering them. And and like I said, it, by taking away the national championship from Louisville. 
in 2013, do I get my money, money, my money back for my flights as well as my hotel and the food? Because if the Final Four never happened in Georgia that year, then I was never there, which means all that money should be credited back to my account from the NCAA. I'm sure they'll give it back to you. <laughs> Absolutely. I got, one, I got one question for you. Yeah. Uh, so when you talk to Coach Beheim, do you, do you call him JB? I, I don't call I call him Jim or I call him Coach. I, I don't say JB. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I, I think that's the first time I ever heard someone say JB. Yeah, J, JB. It's it sounds like a sounds like a you know a younger you know kind of kind of hip and, and this and that. But yeah, I mean JB is JB. You know he's going to do what he wants to do. And you know this was a year where I, I kind of you know wasn't was kind of watching in the in the press room. He was not he was not very fond of of speaking this year. And and I understand. I understand that completely. And what people don't understand about Jim Beheim is he takes it and takes it and takes it and takes it and takes it from certain people in the media. And he gets sick of it after a while and he gets ornery. And, you know, and, and that's the thing is people want to say, well, look at his nature and look at how he treats people and look at this and look at that. And, you know, I, I come back and say, if you were in that room with me and you were constantly being pushed and pushed and pushed you know he has a breaking point he has a tipping point and sometimes he gets there but that shouldn't take away from how exciting he is as a coach and how many games he's won and just what he's done and he's always been good to me over the last eight years and we've sat in the office and spoken with each other man to man and 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 I appreciate the fact that he's taken some time out for me in that respect and you know he really isn't the guy that I feel like people think he is which is unfortunate Coming from Hal Cohen, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Hal, I appreciate you being on the show as always, and I will make it a point to get you on here more often because it's always good to talk with you. And apparently we need to fly together now because we should both be in first class. I think so. I'll have to talk to my sister about getting us some tickets. Absolutely. So you pick wherever you want to go. I'm in Putacana, Italy, Spain. I mean, if I'm going to do it up, I'm going to do it big. So you pick a place and we'll just we'll just have to make that phone call and say, you know, maybe if there's two of us coming at it two different angles, then we got a shot of getting what we want. We'll see. All right. Well, listen, if, if we get to the final four this year, then we'll, we'll talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that very much. And uh, and like I said, I'll have to have to get you a sandwich because the uh, the one million dollar contract I think expired. I, I don't know what happened oh, to it. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I, I was wondering. I hadn't seen anything. So okay, I guess okay. We'll, we'll start this year then. For next year. All right, Hal. As always, I appreciate it, and I look right. forward to talking with you soon. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. That coming again from Hal Cohen, a phenomenal guy. Awesome, you know, really great sense of humor. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dance of Tortora, and we will come back with my one-on-one conversations with the ACC's semifinal round in the tournament as Wake Up Call continues live from Brooklyn 
right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. This is a wake-up call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. We are live on location from the BK, Brooklyn, New York with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. All week long, we have been live from Brooklyn in my coverage of the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament as well as the Championship Week in general with what's been going on. You can go to wakeupcalldt.com. On the homepage, go to the More tab and click on Bracketology and get my seedings and what I'm thinking about what's going on. Also get an update on what teams have won their conference tournaments to get the automatic bid into the NCAA Tournament. And also you can go there for ACC basketball coverage and get, when all is said and done today, 47 one-on-one interviews up to this point. And on top of that, interviews with Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moten, Ryan Blackwell, Craig Forth, Daywan Coleman, Terrence Roberts, Sonny Spira, Hale Cohen, Dale Shackelford, and Roosevelt Bowie Jr., all Syracuse players that have joined me this week as Wake Up Calls broadcasted live from Brooklyn every single day, having at least one former Syracuse basketball player, which is something that we started in Washington, D.C. during the ACC tournament a couple of years ago, continued in Brooklyn last year, and are doing it again in Brooklyn this year. So daring to be different, stepping outside of the typical box and making it fun here on the broadcast. Always happy to talk with you and always happy to talk with these student-athletes as well as the former athletes, coaches, so on and so forth. With that being said, let's get into the conversations that we're going to have here right now. And this conversation is going, or the conversations are going to start inside of the ACC tournament semifinals in my one-on-ones with the players. We're going to start with the Virginia 
Cavaliers and this conversation with the Virginia Cavaliers. We're going to start with Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, and Devin Hall live now on the broadcast. So let's get into my one-on-one conversation with Mamadi Diakite first and foremost. Once again, everything coming up is one-on-one sit-downs with myself and the players during the ACC tournament semifinal round that happened last night. And we're going to start with Mamadi Diakite. And I want to start with just the Clemson run and staving off Clemson trying to get back into this thing. Well, we know we knew that Clemson was a really good team that can shoot from really deep, and they have they, they have some length and size. Uh, so we just you know we just try to keep uh, to control what we could control. I mean they they, they they hit some pretty tough shots. You know we take our hat off for for those. They were all contested. I think I think they were all contested. I thought they were I mean all contested, but you know we won. We got to think about what's going to be next. And you look at there was a drought in the first half for you for five minutes, and you scored at 12:34, and then you scored to break the drought as well. Just what you can say about making sure that you got involved offensively and help the team get back on it. I mean, anytime that I can contribute uh, to a win for the team, I'm ready for it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to contribute as much as I can. Just what you could say about you know the second half and making sure that you kept them off. Just what you could say about locking down in the second half, playing your brand of basketball. Yeah, they're pretty good. I'm, I mean, I, we tried our best. Sometimes we're trapping them. Sometimes we weren't trapping them. We're just trying to put them in that lane where they didn't know what was going on really. But uh, again, we got the win. So. That coming once again from Mamadi Diakite of the Virginia Cavaliers, one of the names that I love saying the most, and great personality. So I appreciate Mamadi for being a part of the show. You're going to hear what Isaiah Wilkins, his teammate, had to say about him in our one-on-one conversation in just a moment. Continuing on here, DeAndre Hunter up next. DeAndre Hunter of the Virginia Cavaliers had an opportunity to speak with him after their victory in this game up against Clemson that sent them into the ACC tournament finale and just what he could say about the play of Mamadi Diakite in this game. Uh, he played really well today on defense and offense. Um, fouls kind of limited him, but other than that, he was really effective for us. When you have droughts like that, just what you can say about continuing to play your brand of basketball, and, and even when it looks like you might be out of a game, you're never truly out of the game. Yeah, we're not. Uh, like you said, we just com- continue to play our game. Even if we don't score, we, we don't try to change it up. We won't take a bad shot. We just keep running our offense, and good things will come. Devin spoke about you're getting everybody's best game every single night. You guys have responded well, and... 90% of the time you're making it happen for you guys. So what you could say about getting the best game from everybody and finding a way to break through it? Uh, we know we're going to get every team's best shot. We just have to come prepare. Uh, the coaches do well, a good job of preparing us each game, and we don't have a, a big head. We just come in as the underdog, and we try to win every game. People talk about Duke and North Carolina all the time, but Virginia's making a place for themselves, obviously, here. Just what you could say about being in the championship game and what it means for you guys, what it means for this team this year. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, we get a chance to check uh, another goal off our off our list, and hopefully whoever we play will get the win. Historically, just what you could say about Virginia coming up in the last couple of years, including this season, just what Virginia is becoming nationally. I feel like we're becoming a great program. Uh, I mean, we know we're good. I mean, it might not be pretty, but we know we're a good team, and um, hopefully people on the outside can start saying that. That coming from DeAndre Hunter. For those of you that don't know DeAndre, he's the one that hit the game-winning bucket against the Louisville Cardinals 
on the road in Louisville to win the game 61-60. to Big time win and big time heave off the backboard by DeAndre Hunter. Coming up next, also with Virginia, Devin Hall. And we start out with his history with Virginia and just what he could say about waiting his turn. Uh, it's been amazing, man. It's been a learning process, of, of course, and just a, a matter of getting better and respecting the process. I think, I think uh, you got to fall in love with it, and you, you, got, you have guys who, who help you through that process. So, um, I mean, it's been fun, and I enjoy every single day of it. I've learned, and, and I've been able to grow into the player I am now, and I, I continue to want get, to keep getting better. We've seen guys like you on this team, and Isaiah Wilkins coming up, and then you know Joel Berry, who had to wait his turn behind a bunch of guys in North Carolina. Just what you could say about that process and stay in the course, and obviously anywhere you go, whoever you are, you want to play right away, yeah. but you have to wait your turn. I mean, guys are you know want the the instant gratification or the instant success. So I mean, I mean like it's, it's hard. It's hard when you're coming out of high school and you're just you're this player who everybody thinks you are, or you're you're this player you think you are. But you get humble when you come to college. And you, know, you you have to learn you know who you are and find out what 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 you can do to help the team and if that and if that's a waiting thing then you obviously have to wait and keep getting better. When you're a guy coming off the bench and you got to play a role for Tony Bennett and then as time goes by you prove yourself and he starts saying okay you're my starter you're going to do this you're going to do that just bring me through that process and, and just how you handled the fact of you know you're going to play a role tonight to you're going to be one of my starters. I think it was more just a trust thing man you have to, you have to you have to trust him you have to trust Coach Bennett you have to, he has to trust you so you know doing the little things and, and doing the little things well helps you get get earn time and once you earn that time you just keep 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 his trust and you know I mean obviously you know I've kept his trust and which I really respect because I've you know uh, been through ups and downs in this program but I, I do everything I can for this team. There's been a string of guys from the Malcolm Brogdon's to the London Prentice to yourself mm -hmm. just what you can say about you know you kind of all have an opportunity to teach each other and be around each other and the success has continued throughout just what that says. Once Malcolm's done, there's still success. When London finishes up, look at where you guys are right now. Yeah, um, uh, it just speaks to the, you know the, the the hard work we put in here and even off the. I mean, even you know as we as as we leave here and how much you know people are respecting this program. Um, you can have. I think each and every player should have great confidence and you know if they want to, they have dreams of aspiration after here, then you know they're, they're in, they should be in a good spot depending on how well they did here. I just, but I think that you know that speaks to this this program and how well we develop players. Do you see? Some rising stars on the team right now. Behind of, course, you? of course, of course, I do. Um, the heck, heck of players on this team, and you guys see it. I mean, you guys see it uh, on the court, but I see it every day. People get better and better, and you guys don't see it. But like Marco works his butt off. Marco doesn't hasn't played much this season at all, but Marco works his butt off like no other. He's in the gym. If he were, if if we were to go back, and this is a regular away game, he would go in the gym and work out right right after because he didn't play much. Uh, so I mean, God, everybody on this team works hard, which I which I can respect. A guy like Mamadi at the yeah. beginning of this game that you had against Clemson, he there was a drought for like five minutes and ten seconds. He had a shot that he made at 12:34. Then there's a drought. He breaks the drought for you guys. Just what you can say about you know what he's been. And when there was that five minutes without a score, he was the one to break it. Just like he was the last one to get a shot. He's that spark. He's that spark that we need off the bench. And um, well, not necessarily just him because DeAndre and uh, Nigel come in and make that spark too. But uh, he's that spark that that's been that's helping us a lot. And he's getting deep post position and making plays. Bring me into the Virginia brand of basketball. We spoke about being a frustrating team. We spoke about being a disciplined team. But in a conference that constantly
constantly wants to talk about Duke and North Carolina, Virginia's found a way to be relevant year by year by year and where you guys stand right now. Yeah, I mean, we just, every single day we try to play, come out and, and, and be who we are. We try to play, uh, I mean, essentially like the underdog, no matter what, you know, what we're ranked, what, you know, what seed we are, whatever. Um, just trying to come out and play like dogs and underdogs, man. It takes poise and it takes confidence to play in a game where you're down or where there's a drought and the shots aren't falling, yeah. like at points in this game. Just what you could say about that that type of mentality and, and the you know the strong-mindedness of it all to see a game that's not going in your favor and to not do what other teams do, which is kind of accept defeat at certain times. Right. Um, I think it's more just more of experience, man. Being in those spots helps you. So when you whenever you're in those situations again, you you know exactly what's going to happen and know not to just accept defeat and knowing that this is this is a tough group. And lastly, for me, just define in one sentence, Virginia is what? What would you say? Relentless. That coming from Devin Hall of the Virginia Cavaliers, and I appreciate him sitting down and speaking on his history with me and taking some time with me after that big-time victory that sends Virginia back to the ACC Tournament Championship game. Coming up next from Virginia as well, we're going to have Isaiah Wilkins. Isaiah Wilkins, my one-on-one conversation with Isaiah. Just what he can say about this team and despite, you know, kind of moving slow in the beginning and then, you know, kind of branching out and whatnot, just what he took away from this game. We just started doing what we were supposed to do. Um, we came out a little bit flat and things like that, but, um, you know, we got back to playing our type of basketball and tried to disrupt things and we were able to do that. There was a five-minute drought in the first half. Mamadi was able to get a basket at 12:34, and then he broke the drought himself after that. Just what you can say about what he's been to you offensively. He's been contributing at a consistent level, and I'm really happy for him like that. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at him. I get nervous when he does media. <laughs> Why do you get nervous when he does it? That dude, man. That's a funny dude. But no, I'm happy for him. He's contributing consistently, and he's been doing that for a while now. So I asked him personality-wise who had the better one, Coach Bennett or him. What would you say? What, what are you looking for in their personality? What you, what you want? Comedy. You want comedy? Go over there. Okay. Yeah, go over comedy there. Comedy for sure? Yeah. Is it even closer now? No, because Ben is funny. You guys don't get to see it, but he's a funny dude. <laughs> when you look at the championship game and, and just what Virginia has become over the last few seasons, just what you could say about in the ACC and as a national power where Virginia's heading in your opinion? We're just, we've been working hard. I don't really know about all the extra stuff, but we, we work hard and we believe in each other in here and things like that. So I mean, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. And then this is a season at the beginning where Coach Bennett had spoken about not really knowing what to expect with guys transferring out, guys finishing up, and new faces coming in. What can you say about how this season, where it's gotten to at this point, and, and if you thought you would be here? Yeah, I mean, we believed in each other. It wasn't like we were out here expecting to go out and lose every night. We knew if we worked hard, we'd have a chance. So that's what we're doing, man, working hard. We still believe in each other. It's getting stronger as the season goes on. So that's what it is. That coming once again from Isaiah Wilkins of the Virginia Cavaliers. And the fifth interview of all five that I did after the semifinal game here, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live on location in Brooklyn, New York, in my coverage of the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament, as well as Championship Week in college basketball as a whole. You heard from Mamadi, DeAndre, Isaiah just there, and Devin, and now Kyle Guy joins the show for the first time ever. My one-on-one conversation with Kyle coming off of the ACC semifinal win over Clemson that propelled Virginia into the championship game for the ACC tournament, going up against North Carolina. 
Kyle Guy and I spoke about the two terms that I've spoke with other guys about, frustrating and disciplined. The two terms that I believe describe Virginia is what he had to say in reference to those two words, frustrating and disciplined. We're so disciplined as a team because of what Coach Bennett and the coaching staff instilled from day one. You know, we every game it's put our backpack on and rebound. So that means get back, no transition points, be in the pack for our defense, and then rebound. And you know, we try, we work, we do a lot of uh, just fundamental stuff that you know kindergartners do, and, and it pays off. And other teams don't do that. So that's the discipline part and the frustration. You know, when a team is so disciplined, you can't break them down. That's frustrating. You know, because we've been in those positions against other teams. Like Virginia Tech played very good defense against us. And even Clemson was a heck of a defensive team uh, tonight. So, What is, when you say, you know, you break it down to basics and do kindergarten stuff, what is some of that kindergarten stuff? You know, we just do three-man box out. And just be three guys running as hard as they can, uh, trying to get a rebound or, you know, before practice we do, we one guy, Devin's in the middle and everyone stands around. We just dribble. Just dribble for 30 seconds and then we do cone dribbling and then we do uh, passing a bit time on the other side of me and we just fake pass and just like just you know people think it's stupid and, and, and you know they already know how to do it but you know it shows up late in, in games especially in March you know when you make a bad pass and that's the game right there so and it comes down to fun fundamentals and, and that's obviously like you said it's something that you pride yourself on but just what you can say about the willingness of this team to do those little things the monotonous things the things that you know some people are like yeah I already know how to do that yeah um those are the guys that we recruit here, you know. Um, coach can tell if you're if you're a hard worker, if you're gonna you're gonna fit in here. And, and, and when you get here and you don't think you're gonna fit in, he's gonna make you fit in. So, um, you know, we, that's just the guy. The guys are just we're such a unified unit, and um, I think that helps a lot that we trust each other so much. Coach Bennett said at the beginning of the season, with some guys that were transferring out, new faces coming in, guys finishing up, that it was gonna be a new challenge. Mm -hmm. Did you see this team doing as well? as it has I mean could you see was that was the vision there was kind of the belief there right from the beginning absolutely you know like I said uh, my recruiting class was so close and 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 with Dev and Isaiah we're just a very close bunch and you know we set out goals as soon as you know everything settled down with the transfers and, the, and coach getting job offers and stuff everything settled down we just you know didn't really hold a meeting but we're just all together and we just said let's let's do something that hasn't been done before so we we, we saw the vision it's about, you know, waiting your turn, and, and I spoke with Devin about this, having to watch and be a role player at times, being for a couple minutes, and then grow into what he is now, grow into what you're in now, Isaiah, and whatnot. Just what you can say about going through the process, and, you know, obviously you want to play when you come out of high school, everybody wants minutes, but on Virginia's team, you wait your turn, you're part of that depth chart, and then eventually, if you do what you need to do for Coach Bennett, you'll end up on top. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, you... You just got to trust Coach Bennett because he's one of the most genuine coaches out there and he, he wants what's best for you. And, you know, DeAndre is, is a one-and-done talent. But, you know, some guys go one-and-done and they don't make it in the NBA. He decided to trust the process and get stronger and, and work on his game. And, you know, it's showing off. So, you know, we won't be here all four, four years, I'll tell you that. Yeah, coming once again from Kyle Guy of the Virginia Cavaliers. I want to thank all of the Virginia players that came on to the show and all the guys that I had an opportunity to speak with. Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, 
Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall, and Kyle Guy that you just heard from. We'll take a quick step aside to get into that Duke-North Carolina rivalry. You'll hear from my one-on-one conversations with Marvin Bagley III, Wendell Carter Jr., both of Duke, and Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson of North Carolina. Right after this fast break, wake-up call from Brooklyn. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, live on location from Brooklyn, New York. This is our final show from Brooklyn, folks. We're going to be you know, doing video and articles and this, that, and the other, so stay close to Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, Twitter at CallDT, and Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT to continue to get information on the ACC Championship Week, all the brackets that are going on around the conferences and their tournaments, respectively, as well as bracketology and the upcoming NCAA tournament. With all of that being said, I want to thank everybody that's been on the show. I want to thank you for being a part of it, and I look forward to you reading my articles, continuing to do so. I write an article on every single game of the ACC tournament. I've also written some Syracuse articles in the midst of all that and have some other ones coming up for Syracuse, and that's all on wakeupcalldt.com on the Right Now page, which is a play on words. 
to give you stories that I have, and I write them, and you can read them right now on demand. Hence why W-R-I-T-E, now, right now. And you can also get all of the interviews that I do by going to the ACC Basketball Quick Link at the bottom of wakeupcalldt.com. You can also, on the top of wakeupcalldt.com, see the ACC Central tab, and underneath that tab is ACC Basketball, and that'll bring you to all my coverage of the ACC as well. So plenty of ways to get involved. Social media, the easiest way, because you see it pop up instantaneously, and so you could subscribe to wakeupcalldt.com and then like facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Uh, Twitter at CallDT, follow me there, and on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. Continuing on my conversations every single day, bringing you shows here from Brooklyn that involve the players that are in these games all the way through the first round of the ACC tournament, all the way to the championship. So from the semis, I had an opportunity to speak with Wendell Carter Jr., as well as Marvin Bagley. And so I want to start out with Wendell on just what he said What he said to me he's taken from this season at this point. No, it's a lot of great teams in our, in our conference. But now it's move, we're moving into the, to March Madness where, you know, it's, it's really win or go, go home. You know, it's, you have to win six games in a row, you know, to walk home with the trophy. And we're going to take it one game at a time. What happened in this game, in your opinion, because there were runs back and forth, but ultimately in the second half, whatever you tried to do, North Carolina had a response for it. Um, you know, in that point, it was kind of too late. Uh, yeah, we we're, uh, we 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 came out and played very hard in the second half. But North Carolina is a great team, and we we just have to learn as a team to play how we did in the second half of 40 minutes, and that would definitely change the whole face of the game. Marvin said that about you know learning what you needed to do for 40 minutes yeah. and not just do it for one half and whatnot. Just what you can say about it. I mean, you've gone through over 30 games at this point. So is there a disconnect at all? I mean, what can you say about, you know, because you, you talked about it. He talked about playing the whole 40. Just what you can say about that. Um, I don't know. I, I think it is a mind lapse for, for us. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to put my finger on it. Uh, a couple of people were uh, hurting tonight. Um, it's definitely not an excuse. Uh, I was, yeah, I'm good. Your legs okay? Yes. Yeah, Looks like you were running and jumping normally. Yeah, yes. Yeah, no problem? Yeah, once my drilling gets going, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we just got to you know, move on from this. We can't really dwell on this, you know, recover mentally and physically and get ready for the tournament. What have you learned from the season so far up to this point as you move into the NCAA tournament? You know, all teams are great. You can't underestimate anybody. Um, no, it's real. Like you, you have to come out and play for a whole 40 minutes in order to win. So that's what we're going to be preaching for to the next game every day, every every meeting. You didn't win this one, but you look at the depth of this team moving forward, and just what you could say about the multiple weapons and multi-dimensional piece that you have as Duke moving forward to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, wait, oh, repeat the question, my fault. Just what you can say about being multi-dimensional and, and having a lot of different weapons on the team. Yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, we're we're very very talented individuals. And long, uh, as soon as we can, we can gel together and do that for 40 minutes and not just one half, I think we can be unstoppable. From Wendell Carter Jr. to Marvin Bagley III, my conversation with Marvin Bagley staying in the locker room of the Duke Blue Devils and what he could say about seeing the rivalry from afar between Duke and North Carolina and this season experiencing it for the first time. Just what he's taken away from it, not just in this game in the ACC semis, but as a whole going up against North Carolina. Uh, anything can happen. Um, 
every time we step out on that floor against them, you know, we know that they're going to give us their best shot and uh, I'm going to give them my best shot. Uh, unfortunately, they got us. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll see them again. What can you say you've learned from the season up to this point? First crack at it for college basketball. Uh, anything can happen, you know. It's a, it's a long season. Uh, can't get too high. Can't get too get too low uh, about things that happen. Um, you gotta make make sure you stay even keel the whole the whole way. Uh, keep getting better. Keep working out in the gym. Uh, keep staying in shape so you're ready for moments like these. Um, uh, you, you know, it's it's a long season. I know you mentioned Grayson Allen before. Just what you could say about his leadership on this team and what you've taken away from him and, and how he's kind of taken you along and helped you along. Uh, he's a big part of this team uh, as a captain. Uh, he's just been leading us through the whole way. Um, just, you know, he's been through this four times now. Uh, so he, he knows what to expect. And, you know, we we just trying to follow his lead and, and you know, just you know, try to do whatever we can to help him out. That coming from Marvin Bagley the third, Marvin Bagley the third, reclassifying to be a part of Duke's class that already featured a ton of strong players this season. It was, it's insane. Everything that Duke had coming in, and then you add in Marvin Bagley the third at the eleventh hour, and we go and we look at the roster for the Duke Blue Devils. You know, bringing in uh, Trayvon Duval as well as Gary Trent Jr., two freshmen on the team, Wendell Carter Jr., another freshman on the team. You know, So to have all these guys come in, Alex O'Connell, Jordan Goldwire, so on and so forth, Jordan Tucker, you bring all of these players in, and on top of that, Marvin Bagley III, 6'11", forward from Phoenix, Arizona. Massively huge, and most likely playing in your NBA <laughs> by a team near you coming up after this NCAA tournament. And before we get to the NCAA tournament, we have to play the ACC championship game. You heard one side of it with Virginia. Here's the other side with North Carolina. First and foremost, my one-on-one conversation with Theo Pinson, the clashing of styles between Virginia and North Carolina. What do you think about that? Uh, it's for all the models. Uh, both teams going to put everything they have into this game. And uh, we're going to play as hard as we can. They're going to play as hard as they can. And, uh, we're just going. It's going to be a grinded out type of game, and we're going to do everything we can to win. And Kenny talked about the fact that they want 30-second possessions. You want 10 to 15-second possessions. Just what you can say about the ebb and flow of that. Uh, we, we understand what type of game. I, me and Joe played against Cam, played against him, Luke, Kenny, all of us. So we understand we have to take great shots, and that's what it's going to take to win. That coming once again from Theo Pinson, senior forward on this North Carolina Tar Heels team. And coming up next is Kenny Williams of the Tar Heels, adjusting to the second half and taking care of business. So what do you have to say about that? Um, you know, we just got stops. Um, you know, that was our main thing. Um, you know, making it hard for them, making it tough for them on, on the defensive end. And, uh, you know, just attacking the zone as efficiently as we could. Uh, and I think, I feel like we did both of those uh, well tonight. Especially when they made their run, we kind of weathered the storm. And, um, you know, just did what we wanted to do, really. So many people watch the rivalry. You're living in the rivalry, just what you can say about it and what it's like and, and how even this game in Brooklyn felt like it was, you know, neutral court with 50-50 on each side. Um, every game is going to be a fight. Um, you know, very rarely do you have one team winning by 15. Where y'all at? Where y'all at? Hey, way to work, boy. 
Um, but, you know, um, it's going to be a fight. And coming into this game, you have to be ready for that. Uh, you know, everybody's going to make their run. Um, even tonight, we were up 15, 16 points, and it looked like we had the game in hand, and they made their run. So uh, neither team, neither side is going to quit. And I think that's the best part about it. Bagley and, and Allen in the last game combined for 56 points. Bagley at 33, just what you can say about, you know, matching up against them in this one, making sure that they didn't go off as much as they did before. Uh, we knew we had to stop them if we wanted to have a chance. We couldn't let either one of them uh, get going and do what they wanted to do. So uh, that was our focus, uh, just stopping them and, uh, you know, doing as best we could to, to limit their looks and if they got a look to make it as contested as we could. Lastly for me, Virginia, your teammate Cam Johnson had talked about how it's a, a clash of clash of schemes and, a, a, you know, they you have a style, they have a style, and the clash of style is going to happen once again this season in the tournament finale. Just what you could say about your style and theirs and what that's going to look like and feel like this time around. Uh, it's totally different. Um, you know, they want to, they want, they want 30 second possessions. We want 10, 15 second possessions. So, um, you know, whoever does their best at, at setting the tempo, I think is going to take control of the game. I mean, it's a little bit easier to slow a game down than to speed it up, but uh, we have to do our best to um, make sure every look is contested uh, like we have been. And, uh, you know, when we do get a chance, push the ball so we can get those easy layups. And finally for today's broadcast, live from Brooklyn with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on WakeUpCallDT.com as well as on the live feed itself, MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT is Cameron Johnson, who came over from Pitt as a graduate transfer. Hindsight being 2020, just what he can say about the decision. Um, you know, I put a lot of a lot of thought into the decision. Um, I put a lot of thought into this decision, you know, from just the, the decision to leave my hometown, you know, with all my family there, my dad played there, my mom went to school there, it was pretty tough to come to. And, you know, to make a step like that, you gotta, you gotta really take it seriously. So that whole month of April, whole month of May, you know, it was really just a lot of weighing options, uh, seeing what would be best. And, you know, I took a long, hard look at Carolina when I had the opportunity too and I really like what this program was about and, and this is what it's about and you know I tried my best to make a decision you know the right decision for myself and for my future and you know I, and I want to do that to be a part of something bigger and you know I think I made the right decision. You leave Pitt and two years into having Kevin Stallings he's not there anymore the team didn't win an ACC game and here you are in the ACC tournament finale. Yeah I mean I, I, I just I'm just thankful thankful that I was able to be in a situation, you know, like this, um, you know, uh, things happen in life, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, I really believe that, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be here and be a part of this, uh, and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's game, to say the least. In the second half, you had a dagger three that happened, just what you could say, you turned around, just launched it, I think there was a good amount of time on the on the shot clock, but you were feeling something at that point? Um, sometimes it's on the catch, uh, sometimes when you catch the ball at the grooves, you just know you got to shoot that one, just yeah. because you can't pass up an opportunity. 
opportunity like that, uh, a lot of a lot of shooting, in my opinion, is on the catch and how you feel on the catch, where your hands are positioned. And that one, you know, just kind of fell right in, and uh, so I let it go. It's a game of runs, and, and you know that, you know, obviously this Duke North Carolina North Carolina rivalry is pretty massive. But now you had an opportunity to be a part of it this season. Just what you could say about it. Oh, it's it's an amazing rivalry. Uh, it's a great thing to be a part of. Um, you know, I'm really honored to be a part of it and to come out with a two-one advantage in it. And maybe we're not done. Maybe we'll see him again. But you know, it's it's great to win the semifinal game, get to the championship. You know, our, our job is not done. But to get a win on this stage against them was was really special. And lastly, for me to look at Virginia, not only is it the ACC tournament finale, but it's also the arguable top team in the country right now. Just what right. you could say about that matchup. And obviously, you guys have seen them before. Definitely one I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, they they play a very distinct style of basketball, and you know we got a we have a distinct style of basketball as well. So you know, it'll be a little bit of a clash of styles, and you know, if we play with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and we compete as hard as we can, things will take care of themselves. That coming once again from Cameron Johnson, who came over from Pittsburgh, who ended up going 0-19 this season in ACC play, to the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are playing for an ACC tournament championship and at a two-seed, bare minimum at this point, I would think, maybe a one-seed. So, because Xavier lost. I think Villanova's a one. I think Virginia's a one. I think Michigan State's a one. And usually the ACC tournament champion has an opportunity of getting the other one. So, could be North Carolina if they get that win over Virginia in this game. I want to thank everybody that was a part of the broadcast today, including Mamadi Diakite, DeAndre Hunter, Isaiah Wilkins, Devin Hall and Kyle Guy of Virginia, Duke's Marvin Bagley III and Wendell Carter Jr., North Carolina's Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson. I also want to thank Syracuse Orange alum for joining the broadcast live, Sonny Spira and Hal Cohen. I want to thank everybody that's been on the show this week. Up to this point here in Brooklyn, 47 interviews with student-athletes that Jerome Robinson, Kai Bowman of BC once again, Josh Kogi, Todrick Jackson of Georgia Tech, a thank you to all of them, Rex Fluger, Bonzi Colson, Matt Farrell, TJ Gibbs Jr. of Notre Dame, Louisville's Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton, FSU's Terrence Mann, NC State's Alric Freeman, Virginia Tech's Justin Bibbs, uh, Virginia's DeAndre Hunter, Devin Hall, Mamadi Diakite, Isaiah Wika, Isaiah, Isaiah Weekends, Isaiah Wilkins, Kyle Guy. Want to thank all of them for being a part of the show. Clemson's Mark Donnell and Elijah Thomas, Duke's Gary Trent Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., and Marvin Bagley the third. Miami's Lonnie Walker the fourth, and Chris Likes. North Carolina's Joel Berry the second. Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson. And, of course, Syracuse's Marek Dolajai, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Brahma Sidibe, Tyus Battle, Pascal Chuku, Alan Griffin, the assistant coach. Thank you to each and every single one of you and to the Syracuse alum that were on the show every single broadcast during championship week of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora Live featured at least one former Syracuse basketball player in, in the Dare to be Different pieces of what we do here at Wake Up Call. I want to thank Dale Shackelford, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. for being a part of the show on Tuesday, March 6th, live from Brooklyn, as well as on March 7th, Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moten, and Ryan Blackwell. March 8th with Daywan Coleman and Craig Forth coming onto the show for the first time. Today with Sonny Spira and Hal Cohen. And on March 9th, on that Friday show, Terrence Roberts came on right after the live broadcast 
did a special with me. It was almost 40 minutes long, and that's available on the app right now at wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. You can go to wakeupcalldt.com, click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and the app powered by Podbean, and every single one of those has the interview with Terrence Roberts, so make sure that you don't miss that as well. So thank you to everybody from Brooklyn, the hospitality of the ACC of the Barclays Center. For the Barclays Center, I know people get frustrated that the Barclays, you know, in places these days have to check everything and can't let you in this door and have to ask these questions and have you walk here and walk there. But like my wife said, they're protecting you. And if they're overdoing their job, at least they're doing that as opposed to underdoing their job of safety and security. So thank you to the Barclays Center. Thank you to everybody and all the 15 schools of the ACC. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to each and every one of the member schools of the ACC for everything that they did this week to make this week always exciting. This is my hard to believe my fifth straight ACC tournament. Two in Greensboro, one in Washington, D.C., and the last two in Brooklyn. I want to thank Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Notre Dame, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and, of course, Syracuse for being a part of what we're doing here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and for coming out to the games. Not everybody can win, and I appreciate all 15 for being here and being a part of it. Can't wait for the championship game tonight. Virginia takes on North Carolina at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. It is a number one seeded Virginia and number one overall seeded right now in bracketology, in my opinion, and number one team in the nation out of 351 Division I men's basketball schools. And then on the other side, we have obviously the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are a six seed and playing like a two or a three in this scenario for the ACC and and playing for a number two seed, if not a number one seed, in the NCAA tournament coming up here very shortly. So I will be at the game. You can follow all my information on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, on Twitter at Call DT, and if you don't have social media, you can go to wakeupcalldt.com, and on the tab Who's DT, put your mouse right over that. You'll see the drop-down menu. Click on Fan Cave. And that will bring you my live updates on my Twitter feed without you having to have Twitter. So always find a way to get the information out to everybody, no matter what your preferences are. I do the best I can. So thank you so much for listening into the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this. Thank you to the ACC, Amy Yacola, John Swafford, and the entire team, Mike Finn, who got an award, well-deserving. Always love talking with Mike on the ACC football teleconferences. So thank you to Mike Finn for that. And just to everybody with the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Barclays Center, and, of course, last but not least, to Brooklyn. I love you. I appreciate you. You're part of me now. I feel like Brooklyn's got a little piece of my puzzle, you know. So I, I was walking around Brooklyn yesterday before the games and went to the crepe, play, crepe place that I know, walked around familiar parts, the subway that I take to the Javits Center when I go to New York Comic Con, walking around the old digs and being on Fulton Street where my sister used to live. So... Big shout out to the BK and to to the wholesome food market that feeds me extremely well and to the Batman sub that I'm about to eat when I get off this broadcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Brooklyn. It's like Brooklyn stand up, you know. I want to say Brooklyn stand up, but I know they're already standing because it's Brooklyn. So thank you to Brooklyn for everything that you do. This has been amazing. I'm going to miss it like crazy. 
who are back in Charlotte for the ACC tournament next year, and then Greensboro after that. But John Swafford, as heard in my special, said, this Washington, D.C., North Carolina, Brooklyn, New York City type of digs for the, you know, the round robin of the ACC tournament seems to be something the ACC likes. So it seems like we'll be back in Brooklyn soon enough. So I can't believe that it's been two years in the BK. And I can't believe that I wasn't in Brooklyn before this. And I want to thank Brooklyn for welcoming me to my grandmother's home, my Gammy Miller. I, uh, I love you in heaven and my pop Miller. And uh, my Gam, she grew up on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. And now her grandson is on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center doing his thing. Owning my own company for over six years and broadcasting live to you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash DT. We build this, and we build it together. To the BK. I don't have words. I love you, Brooklyn. Thank you for being a part of my heart now. God bless you always and a part of my mind. Great memories. I got to go discover Brooklyn, and I also have to take a nap. (laughs) So I think it's time to take a nap. I think it's time. So I'll see you all for the championship tonight. And make sure you stay close on social media at Wake Up Call DT at Call on Facebook at Call DT on Twitter and at Wake Up Call underscore DT on Instagram. Thank you for all that you do. Truly appreciate it. We shot a video with Giovanni's with former Philadelphia Eagle and Syracuse running back Rob Drummond. Go watch that on YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT and join the Tourney Pick'em in the Yahoo Pick'em. You can find the Wake Up Call League by going to the Tourney Pick'em for Yahoo and go to find a group, and we're in the top 10. So you'll see Wake Up Call right there. So you can find us, or you can search Wake Up Call, three separate words, Wake Up Call. So make sure that that you know that we're going to be there, and I appreciate you so very much. I thank you for everything that you do, and have a great day. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting what I do and what I'm about. Thank you for loving the show. Thank you for knowing that it's different in a good way. Thank you for taking a kid from... Syracuse, New York, who grew up with a great family and, you know, and and went through, you know, stuff that people go through, got bullied, you know, worked hard to get good grades, worked hard at what I could, played basketball and, you know, and then started broadcasting after that. You know, it's just, I just want to thank you all for the love and the support that you've given to me. And I want to thank all the people that have been hateful and negative and derogatory and wishing bad on me because, None of you will ever succeed, and in 32 years, you've done a horrible job. I mean, it's it's not going to work, and, you know, that's because I have God on my side, and I want to thank God more than anything else for for giving, giving this little kid from Syracuse something fun to do every day. Surrounded by the best. <laughs> have a great day, folks. I'll talk with you soon.